Grace United Methodist Church. Loving as God intends through helping, healing, and home. Today being Palm Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to enjoy some special music as, as we do every year. But I'm going to take a moment and just briefly share a short uh, homily, if you will, uh, as, we, as we wrap up walking through with the prophets that we've been reading, we're going to be looking at Nahum to sort of wrap up Lent for us. And we've reached that in our reading. And I'm going to be reading this morning from Nahum chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8. This message concerning Nineveh came as a vision to Nahum, who lived in Elkosh, the Lord is a jealous God, filled with vengeance and rage. He takes revenge on all who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. He plays his power in the whirlwind and the storm. The billowing clouds are the dust beneath his feet. At his command, the oceans dry up and the rivers disappear. The lush pastures of Bashan and Carmel fade, and the green forests of Lebanon wither. In his presence the mountains quake and the hills melt away. The earth trembles and its people are destroyed. Who can stand before his fierce anger? Who can survive his burning fury? His rage blazes forth like fire, and the mountains crumble to dust in his presence. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. But he will sweep away his enemies in an overwhelming flood. He will pursue his foes in the darkness of night. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of God's word. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to be able to gather together, even though we may be miles apart. We ask this morning that you might open our ears that we might hear as we turn to your scriptures together. But more than hearing that you might touch our hearts, transforming us into the people that you've called and created us to be. I pray this morning for a clarity of thought that, that when I speak, it would be your words and that you might hide me behind your cross so that what we get to experience here today is you, your glory, your strength, your mercy, your grace, your justice, your peace, and your righteousness. We pray all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So, this, uh, this passage of scripture can, can be awful troubling. In fact, as I, was, as I was reading it, one of the things that really sort of stuck with me and bothered me was here at the end in verse 8 when it talks about how God is going to uh, sweep away his enemies and how he's going to pursue his foes. And I began to wonder, like, does God really have enemies? or foes. And so I began to do uh, some Hebrew word search that I like to do from time to time. And I found it interesting that these particular words are connected back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, specifically verse 10, where um, it describes the enemy or the foe of God as someone who hates God. And I found that very interesting because it means that there can be enemies of God that view God as an enemy which would make them the enemies of God, but God doesn't necessarily 
view them as an enemy. It definitely doesn't mean that he hates them. But like we talked about last week, there is this idea that God, being a just God, can't let injustice, injustice exist. And so, again, we begin to deal with what does that look like? Now, it's interesting, right, because in, in the book, in, in this particular book, it begins by talking about how this is a message concerning Nineveh, where last week it was a message concerning Israel. And so it, Nineveh, just as a reminder, is the capital city of Assyria. And so the Ninevites, the, the Assyrians, they are the worst, most violent oppressors that, um, in the history of the northern kingdom of Israel. In fact, you can, you can see, you can read about their violence in, in history books. You can also see it even in their art. So the prophet is bringing, um, some, is bringing a message to the Israelites about Nineveh. Now, the, the prophet's name, Nahum, actually means comfort or encouragement. And so an important theme of this book, of his prophecy, is that God is going to bring encouragement and comfort to his people and, and the way he's going to do it, according to Nahum, is through the downfall of Nineveh. So imagine, for you, if you will, for a moment, that you're an Israelite, that you have suffered this massive violent defeat at the hands of the Assyrians, their capital of Nineveh, and you've heard through the prophets that this is your fault, that you weren't faithful to God. And then all of a sudden, here comes a prophet, Nahum, and he says that, but it's okay, don't worry, because Nineveh is going to get theirs too. And, and that would be comforting for us, right? As humans, it's like, oh, good. Good, I'm glad to hear that. Um, it's important for us to, when we, when we think about this, when we hear this, to understand this is a national issue. Right? We're, this isn't one person against one person. This is a nation against a nation. That, that this encouragement and comfort, it's coming to the people on a national scale as a people group. This is one nation against another nation. And, and it reminds me of like uh, a saying, nothing unifies a nation as a common enemy. Or, or another saying that I've heard people say is that um, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. You know, we live right now in a time where our country seems just so divided on everything that, that I wonder sometimes if, if there wasn't a group of people that would come out and claim that the sky is blue, that other people would begin to say no, uh, it's not always, and we would begin to debate whether or not the sky is blue. Um, we just can't seem to get along on anything. In fact, uh, I've, as a result of that, I've heard people say that the best thing that could happen for this country would that we would enter into another war. And it's a, that really, it's a horrible thing. But it's such a statement about our human condition. The, the misunderstanding that we have of what balances the scales and what creates justice. And so Nahum is bringing comfort to the people in a way that probably we should find discomforting. But he, but he balances it out, right? And he says that there's actually three claims about God. It's not just that God is this jealous or zealous God, um, right? Because in verse 2 it says the Lord is a jealous God filled with vengeance and rage. He takes revenge on all who oppose him and continues to rage against his enemies. And we, and, and we would have a tendency to stop right there because we would think to ourselves, well, we're not the enemy of God. And so this is a great message, right? Because this is something appealing about a vision. There's something appealing about a vision of a retributive God who finally 
comes to set things right, to defend the people against their enemies, to subdue the unruly powers, and to establish sovereign rule over the nations. There's a great comfort in the conviction that evil will be brought to a final reckoning. But God's vengeance and rage that we read about here, it can't be confused with his human attitude of getting even. And I think that the prophet knows that, which is why he's going to balance it out in a moment with two more characteristics of God. But we have a tendency to to hear this idea of getting even, and we find our comfort in that. We have to remember that God's actions emerge from his holiness, justice, and faithfulness to the covenant with his people. His vengeance isn't arbitrary. And when, when we have a tendency to think about this idea of getting even, our, our sense of justice, our sense of, of rightness may actually come from a place of injustice. The problem remains with, with, with the image of a jealous and avenging God, because if it's left as the only divine representation on which we have to build our theology, such an image is going to result in a, a figure that's more demonic than godlike. Nahum's divine warrior is so deeply rooted in Judean nationalism, it's so intently focused on the utter, utter destruction of the people's enemies that, it, that it's hard to imagine that even at Nahum's time, that this was all that could be said about God. A merciless God, more precisely, is an image of God that, that doesn't take into account God's love for all humankind. And if you don't take into account God's love for all humankind, what you run the risk of being left with is a demonic God. It's very tempting to turn real grievances harbored against others into occasions for thinking that God is on our side alone and forgetting that God cares for all people. So Nahum goes on and he balances that first characteristic with the next one. Verse 3 says, The Lord is slow to get angry, but his power is great, and he never lets the guilty go unpunished. The Lord is slow to get angry. This, I don't think it's a coincidence that Nahum follows Jonah in the Bible. Because it's this characteristic that actually trips up Jonah. Don't forget, Jonah is sent to the Ninevites, who, who Nahum is speaking against. And Jonah is sent with a message of forgiveness and reconciliation as, the, as a result of repentance. And it bothers Jonah. But it's a characteristic of God that we should actually find great comfort. You see, God's patience with disobedience is linked directly to his faithful love. God refuses to give up on us. He continues to love us, even when we look at God as an enemy. 
Nahum also provides us one other characteristic right here in this first chapter. He says this, the Lord is good. And it's these last two characteristics especially that we come face to face with this week, this holy week. As, as, we, as we spend time reflecting on God as revealed to us in Jesus. It's, it's these characteristics of God that we remember on Palm Sunday when, when he humbly arrives in Jerusalem. It's, it's this, this faithful love that we're going to remember on Thursday when we have our, our uh, live YouTube uh, service where we're going to commemorate and remember the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. It's this, it's this extravagant love that we're going to remember at our Tenebrae service on Good Friday when we remember the arrest, the suffering, and the death of Jesus. And it's this, it's this unfailing love that we're going to celebrate on Easter, when we remember that God's love reaches beyond the grave as we testify and witness to the resurrection of Christ. Amen.